Good morning. Welcome to the Gathering Place podcast. I am Pastor Todd. This week, Pastor Byron is preaching a message to edify the church. I hope you are edified as well. And now, Pastor Byron. To take orders from headquarters, Lord. Whether it's sharing the gospel with a random person at a grocery store or hosting a 20th year anniversary of the Wednesday nights. Like, whatever the task, whatever the call you do, Byron, it's in his heart to say yes and to do it. And so we thank you for that, Lord, and we thank you for Byron saying yes to pastoring this church, and that you have called him to that, that you've gifted him in that, Lord, and that you are using him. And so we ask now that you would anoint him to speak your word, to speak your heart to us, open our ears to hear what you would say, and let Byron be your mouthpiece this morning for your glory, for your honor, and for building up the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. There you go. Oh, I don't have to shout. It's, um, it's, uh, you know what, I, I realize, I realize about myself, sometimes I can get so abstract, people look at me and go, duh. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, a couple of people yesterday as we had the re- 20th reunion of Wednesday night, I said, well, hope you're all ready to have some coffee time on Sunday morning. And it, they look at me bewildered. What, what are you talking about? Well, coffee time. We have coffee time tomorrow. We're looking at Hebrews. So... Delayed, <laughs> still abstract. But anyhow, it's uh, it's uh, yeah. The the uh, the word of God is amazing. I I just want to take before we get into the word of God, just share something that one of the many things that blessed me yesterday. Uh, and as you know, we had we had, Sean and Andrea showed up, and they didn't even RSVP. They just came and and, and they. Early in the morning, I didn't know, but Nancy knows everything. I I kind of catch up with stuff, but it's uh, but uh, you know it was uh, but it was, there was one one that I really prayed. I said, God, bring them, you know, and uh, and as you know, as a church, some of you guys that are newer here maybe don't know, but but the state took away their children, and and it was a really a hard time them for years going to court and going to court to try to get their children back. And, uh, and, and I think God's going to build this building. It's for the generation coming up that they might hear about Jesus. So we were, we were talking, uh, I was talking to Sean and Andrea, and then Sean said something that really is in my heart. He said, Byron, could you take my two children for a tour of the basement? And, and that r- rings so beautiful to me. And I said, sure, we'll go down there and take the tour of the basement. And, and what amazed me is I was bringing those two children to l- look at the pictures in the basement and understand the message that God was giving out that it's simple and it's not complicated. And, and the children were just 
responding so well as they are hearing the message of God's love and all that God prepared in sending Jesus. And, and when it came to the end, and, I, and they had both acknowledged that they knew Jesus, and it's all about holding on to his hand. And maybe sometimes we forget that God wants to hold hands with us. And, uh, and then uh, a word came to me. I said, Sean, you know what? You have an amazing story of losing your children and a long period of years and then getting them back. Maybe you should write a book. And he looked at me and says, Wow. You know, Andrea has been telling me that repeatedly. We should write a book about our story of losing our children and getting them back. And uh, it was just an honor for me. One of the, I, I was so blessed yesterday, and I can't wait to listen to watch all the, the things that they, they gave us on the, whatever that video. And I listened to one this morning, and I'm sure... Uh, tears are going to come down about how people were impacted over those several years of opening our home to that gen to the younger generation. Uh, I, I, the one I heard this morning just blew me away. So it's uh, it's God is with us. God is moving in us. And then uh, Twyla had us read uh, a portion of when when the Israelites were at the Jordan River to enter into more of what God had for them. And what stood out to me as she read that through, popped out, and they camped out. You know what? Never forget the times you're just camping out. Because after you rest in what God is doing, and, and maybe there's unanswered prayer in your life, and maybe things are going on in your life that, that haven't really... Uh, you haven't seen the whole thing yet. It's very important that camping out with Jesus and with the Lord is important because you're just at the brink of seeing a miracle. And it's on the way. So, so uh, we'll get into Hebrews chapter 7. And, uh, and uh, you didn't put the verses down here, but it's... Uh, uh, this Melchizedek was king of Salem, a priest of God, most high. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Then also, king of Salem, which means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains priest, priest forever. And we're going to learn all what, all what that means. And then it goes on to say, just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now, the law requires the descendants of Levi, 
who became priests to collect the tenth from the people, that is, from their fellow Israelites, even though they themselves are descendants from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descendants from Levi. Yet, he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had, who had, who had the promise and without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. To unpack this, now we need to take a journey back into when that man showed up in Genesis chapter 14. In Genesis chapter 14, we say, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. First, before Abraham ever, ever gave a tenth, he was a recipient of what God had for him. And, and take a little journey through chapter 14. Take a little journey. We don't have the scriptures up here, but I'll just take you through it. It's full of wars and conflict. Full of wars and conflict. Then in Genesis 14, it mentions Lot, his nephew, was living in Sodom. And there's fighting and wars and Lot's in Sodom. And then, and then this person, Melchizedek, shows up with a gift for Abraham, bread and wine. Now what's interesting about this is, for me as I was reading it, God's bigger than all the conflicts I'm in. God's bigger than all the conflicts you ever can imagine. God is bigger than, where are you right now? It's a brief verse and says, Lot's living in Sodom. Are you living in a place where no one will affirm you? but everyone is against you? Lots living in Sodom. Our lives could be full of conflict, full of unanswered prayer, full of uh, uh, a lack of affirmation. Because where, you know, maybe your neighbor is throwing darts at you. I don't know, but, but it's, uh, you know, what's a, you know, lot all of a sudden moved into a neighborhood that was very unfriendly to what he believed. And we're living in a world, the worldview that is becoming, becoming unfriendly to those who follow Jesus. And, and this whole chapter is talking about how we can live in really adverse environment, and yet this Melchizedek shows up with bread and wine. What does that remind us of? Communion that we took. What does that remind us of? Jesus, the Messiah that came. Jesus, the Messiah that gave everything that we might receive. You know, sometimes we forget that we belong to the God of supply. 
And yet we belong to the God of supply, not the God of demand. You know, some, some of the young people I talked to yesterday, they said, what was refreshing about coming to Wednesday night? And some of them said, actually said to me, they were going to church, and after church they went out to their cars, and all they felt was condemnation. Not affirmation. And when they showed up at Wednesday night, they finally found an environment where, number one, and it was repeated over and over, I guess it was amazing being with all these people from the past. We felt love and we felt safe. And they were going to fellowships where they didn't feel love and they felt condemnation. And they said it was like freshness to them. And I'm sure maybe we'll hear more of that when, we, when Nancy and I sit down and listen to some of the testimonies. But anyhow, he, he meets this, this uh, in, in Genesis, he meets him and he brings the bread and the wine, which, which just reminds us past for future and a God that wants us to remember his sacrifice so we can connect with his supply. And then, um, uh, and he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham, by God, by the God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to the God most high, who delivers, delivered your enemies into your hands, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Now, it's interesting in, in Hebrews, it's really, uh, you know, the verses we already read, you know what, uh, we don't mention about uh, giving here. We have the box over there, and, and God is our supply. And God is our supply uh, even when we don't see it, but God's our supply. He provides. He's our, he's our helper. And, and there's no demand to give here non-existent. There's no demand to give here. Uh, yet, he was saying in the Old Covenant, in the Old Covenant, there was a demand to give. And, and the, 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 the leadership was given to just certain people, the Levites. And, and people had to come. And, and, and the demand was, you know, varied in your economic position. I mean, if you could just afford a turtle dove, but you must give. You never can enter God's presence empty-handed. You must give. But you know what? When Jesus came, everything changed. And then it became freely give. Freely give out of the abundance of his supply. Freely give out of the abundance of his supply. Never forget that God is a God that is able to meet your needs. And never forget to thank him as those needs are being met.
Very important. <clears throat> in the case, back to Hebrews, in the case the tenth is collected by the people who died, but in the other case by him who is declared by to be living. One might even say that Levi who collected the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham. Because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestors. This was happening before the fulfillment. And, and it, you know, we talk about prophetic act. It was, it was happening before, before Levi ever even became a nation. And and uh, and then going on uh, in verse eleven, if perfection could be attained through the Levitic, Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established to that priesthood, why was there still a need for the priest to come one? in order of Melchizedek, but in the order of Aaron, for when the priesthood is charged, the law must be, when the priesthood was changed, the law must be changed also. He who, whom these things are said belong to the different tribe, but the one, no one who from that tribe was ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord's descendants, whom from Judah, in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clearer if another priest like Melchizedek appears one who has become the priest not on the basis of regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of the indestructible life. For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Uh, a lot of words here. A lot of words here. It's uh, it's just this is really just a messianic message that this man Melchizedek showed up with bread and wine just to declare to a whole nation of people what was coming, and Jesus, Jesus would become that high priest, not not from a priesthood that was established in human terms, but a priesthood in eternal terms. In eternal terms. And then going on in verse 18, the former regula regulations are set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is in, in, in introduced by which we draw near to God. This, I think this is, in this chapter, this one really stuck out at me. 
The former regulation is set aside because it is too weak and useless. You know, you and I pursuing a perfect life attains nothing. Uh, but there's a motivation for that because of the supply given us to Jesus and his unchangeable, unmovable love for us. You see, uh, the writer of Hebrews is saying that, that a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. Back to what I said earlier. Get connected that the God you serve is full of supply. You know, I, it was uh, taking people down the basement. You know, Nancy and I, several times in our life, had to go down to the basement. And uh, there's this one picture of just bread coming out of heaven. Supply. And we had to say, when we, when we came to parts of our life, when, when, when it seemed like all hope was left, we had no hope. I mean, where, where's the next supply coming from? we would go down the basement and be reminded of the God of supply. And, we, and we'd sit there before that painting on a wall and say, God, uh, we don't know how, but we believe you're our supply. You're our helper. You're, you're, you're going to take care of the issues that we're facing in life. And, uh, and, and, um, and, and of course, he brings out that... that, that uh, it was not without an oath. Others became priests without an, any oath. But he became priests with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn, I will not change my mind. You are priests forever. And he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. The Father sent his son not to be a great prophet, not to be a great teacher. They call him prophet. They call him teacher. They call him all these things. But he came for the full purpose of being elevated to our high priest forever. Uh, <clears throat> He, he is the, Jesus, for you and I, he is the perfect go-to. Uh, I don't know about you guys, sometimes I go off astray and I go to other things and finally come to my senses. I said, wait a minute, you know, this is not helping me. Uh, go back to the real go-to and go back to him and say, you know, Lord, I mean, uh, I'm trying things and it's not working. Just in, in, the, in the bigger sense, you know what? Keeping all the rules and regulations is, is not what's going to bring you fulfillment, but knowing your high priest will. Knowing your high priest will. And then it, then it goes on to say, 
Because, because of this oath, Jesus had become the guarantor of a better covenant. Uh, you know, see, uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, we'll go on here. <clears throat> now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from, be, from, from them uh, continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who have come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for us. You know, and, and that's a... Hey, wait a minute. Hey, you know what? Think about it. Think about it. When we, you and I get lost in our way, uh, we get lost in our problems, lost in our needs, lost in, lost in the issues of life. You and I have somebody called Jesus that part of the priestly calling, eternal priestly calling, think about it. When you and I are struggling... He is continually interceding for you. Wait a minute, that stick? Hey, you got somebody, a high priest. You know, you know, a lot of churches, oh, go to the pastor and go to him, go to go to them and go to this person, go to this counselor, go to this, go to this thing to, to get your answers. But sometimes we neglect to really connect with when you when all this stuff is spinning in your mind, you have somebody that knows everything interceding for you. You have somebody continually, never sleeping, never slumbering, interceding for you. And and that intercession kind of goes to your papa, your father God. He's saying, hey, Byron's going through a difficult thing. He, he just can't figure it out. You know what? Holy Spirit, help him. He, he's interceding in our behalf. We are truly blessed as sons and daughters. Then in kind of finishing this chapter... Such a high priest truly meets our needs. The question is, do we believe that? Uh, the writer in the epistle say, he's the God that meets all our needs according to his riches and glory. Do you believe that? You know what? You, if we really believe that, we won't be shaken. We won't be shaken. You know, and, there, and there's all kinds of opportunities to be shaken. Believe me, there's all kinds of opportunities to be shaken. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's you know, we didn't get that order. We, we didn't get that job. We, we didn't get that whatever. And, 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 we, and, we, and our lives can 
get in a little bit of a turmoil. But he's saying, but he's saying, Jesus, Jesus is a high priest that meets, truly meets our needs. Again, he's the go-to person. He's the go-to person. The one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other priests, he does not need to offer a sacrifice day by day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of his people. And I'm going back, you know, Hebrews is written to the Jewish people uh, and, and what sort of abbreviated, the priests would go and slaughter the animals first for their own sins. And then they would take the, the gifts brought to them and sacrifice them for the sins of the people. Jesus didn't have to do that. He's the only high priest that was sinless son of God. Truly, he's a greater high priest. The sinless son of God laid down his life for you and I. So, if he's meeting all our needs, I, I love to say, you know, in a phrase, uh, some little children don't understand that, but, but I, I try to help them understand that, and I, and I love the phrase, oh man, I just came to the end of my rope. That means that you've, that means when you're saying that, I've exhausted everything, I have nothing more to give or go, and I, I'm, I'm at a end of my rope. I'm at the, you know, and now I can excuse myself for being ugly, nasty with my words, because after all, I'm on the end of my rope. I mean, uh, it's okay for me to be a little um, not so nice in my language. But as Christians, sometimes we fail to understand that Jesus is at the end of the rope. Follow, me, follow the idea? He's there. So when you're getting all undone, you're getting derailed, you're getting frazzled, you're getting uh, insecure, you're getting weak at the end of your rope, just remember who's there. He's there, interceding. He's there, arms open. He's there, uh, for, I mean, forgetting all your trespasses. You ever have that prayer, oh Lord, how can you love me anymore? I do. How can you be my supply? I'm so messed up. I will. Because I'm the new high priest. Not the one that had a sacrifice for their own sins so they can intercede for the people. But I am the sinless son of the living God. And I gave it all for you. So why, why should you say, well, why would I forgive you? 